Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Adam Pranica. I am also your host, Benjamin R. Harrison. Ben, how long has it been since we've recorded a show? More than three weeks. Yeah. It may it's not been a seem long like, time. It may not seem like that from the other side of the pod, but uh, it's been a if long time. If we've done our jobs right, that should be imperceptible. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's it's a uh, it's strange because we I feel like some of the some of the ones that we recorded in the mad rush to get enough coverage for my very long trip overseas, I feel like are some of our best. Yeah, I think so too. I, mean, I think we need the we need schedule pressure clearly <laughs> to do our best. Yeah, otherwise our show is terrible. <laughs> I was thinking that it was also the longest layoff we've ever had uh, since starting the show. It's true. Because even on my trip to Victorville, we managed to record pod while I was down there. That's true. Yeah, I mean, I um, I was in a couple of countries that had incredibly poor internet, so it really wouldn't have been possible and then like getting to watch episodes would have also been a challenge so i'm glad we did it the way we did uh but, yeah but man i was fucking withdrawing <laughs> i yeah. hated not doing tgg i didn't like not doing the show but i also had a weird like i i really missed watching the show too yeah. because I, I wasn't gonna watch episodes unless we were gonna record on them so yeah I took just as long of a break from watching as well. I missed it. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was really nice to sit back down and uh, and uh, get back into into watching apps. I I mean, while you were away, I just had to find my dick joke material elsewhere. <laughs> uh, <laughs> any uh, any hot tips? <laughs> that's that's the terminology you want to use, Ben. <laughs> I think I uh, I picked my ju- my my words carefully, Adam. Yeah, I think you did. Well, uh, there's plenty to joke about in the in today's episode, Ben. Why don't we just get into that? We could. I uh, before we do, I have one little thing I wanted to take care of before we get in. Uh, I got a piece of mail here, and it uh, it's probably been sitting in my apartment for almost a month uh oh geez so uh I, hopefully it's not food i'm yeah I, uh so uh I, I thought i'd open it real quick and uh hey if it's if it's funny whatever's inside you're hearing this and if not it got cut from the show <laughs> let's do it captain i'm sorry to disturb you i'm receiving a code 47 verify it is code 47 sir start lead emergency frequency captain size only so it's kind of like a pizza box looking box. Oh god, it is food. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean it's like the the shape, but it definitely doesn't have like a portly Italian gentleman uh, illustration on the front. Um, this is from Navarro. Uh, and uh, it went through the mothership at Max Fun HQ who are kind enough to forward it on. Um, so let me get into this. This is like, it's the most absurd box because it's a pizza box format, but huge, huge flaps uh, on all four sides instead of just the one flap. I don't know what this is going to be. It's a nice Oxford shirt. Okay, so uh, here's the note says, Adam and Ben, great show. Can't wait for DS9. Please enjoy this 24th century wallet. Nav. <laughs> Uh, what he is, uh, what what this is, Adam, is a is a Umbra brand pendant scarf hanger. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's actually a fairly lovely uh, object uh, in and of itself, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's meant for hanging scarves. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you're just you're, you're just raging with jealousy right now, Adam. 
Navarro. <laughs> One of the great gifts. Right there. One of the best gifts. Everybody talking about it. Wow. <laughs> it's it's a very strange looking thing. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. I mean, it looks wow. like it'd be great for it. Um, you know, maybe twenty-fourth century wallet. Maybe on our upcoming tour, we'll have something that we can hang off of it and uh, and display in the merch booth. I feel like in the present, we're all about reduction, right? Getting mm-hmm. the skinny wallet, getting a wallet maybe where it's just a couple of cards, or maybe a wallet that's clipped on the back of your phone. No, we've the, in, in the twenty-fourth century, century yeah. we've blown it back up again. It, it's closet-sized it, wallets. It hangs in your closet. <laughs> It's more than a foot on three sides. <laughs> wow. Fantastic. Uh, thank you so much, Navarra. What a what a thoughtful gift. Uh, Incredible. Lucky you, Ben. And uh, now you gotta move that thing across country. That's great. <laughs> back to uh back to Los Angeles where it was uh sent out from. <laughs> wow. Uh, it's like uh that, that scarf rack is like one of those uh one of those gnomes people travel with and take pictures of in like <laughs> oh, yeah. cities around the world. Yeah, in front of the big shiny bean in Chicago, in front of right. Big Ben in London. Can never find that bean. Yeah, who knows? That might Does be it... fictional. <laughs> All right, let's get to it, Ben. It's season six, episode five. Shishims. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. I'm going to be sad to see this one go because Kevin has uh, made a number of appearances to say the name of it. Yeah, I always like to. I like to check in with Kev. Um, so uh, the entrepreneur is doing some charting, and uh, and uh, Commander Riker is having a tough time getting restful sleep, and this is. Uh, yeah, I think the the first thing we see after our captain's log is Riker like tossing and turning, and then you know wandering around the ship doing his Rikerly duties with uh, the conspicuously bad hair of a Riker in distress. They really managed to squeeze in a lot of fun scene and character work before the theme song here, like. You get to see a Federation clock radio. I thought that was fun. <laughs> yeah. Like it's right up, right up next to the vanity. Yeah, I, I I really appreciate Riker's choice in pillows. It's not the squared off pillow of a Geordie LaForge. It's a actual proper pillow. Uh huh. Yeah, it's interesting that um, that there are options, you know, because in a military context, you don't always have the you know you know you don't always get to pick what cot you're sleeping on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Riker's not hot bunking it for sure. Right. Yeah. This is a uh, this is one of the nicer quarters on the ship. I feel like if you're a writer on this show and you're tasked with like, how do I visually show someone's faltering sanity? <laughs> <laughs> and everyone is supposed to be wearing more or less the same uniform. Really, the hair's the only thing you can do, right? Like, yeah. That's the only thing you can work with. And luckily, one it- Riker William T has a a particularly good canvas for this. The only other thing I feel like you could do that would be fun, and I kind of feel like maybe a missed opportunity, is uh, if he walked into a scene and his uniform was only zipped zipped halfway up in the back. (laughs) 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 He's just showing some some pasty back. Do you think he has a lot of back hair? Ooh, that's interesting. I kind of wonder if... If Riker William T is a uh, is a back waxer, because I mean we know he's got a great deal of chest hair because we see his deep V in this uh, in this scene, and he's uh, he's he's all man on in the front. But I feel like uh, you know his he takes his his bedroom time seriously enough that uh, I feel like he might he might wax it up on the back and shoulders. There's little doubt that the carpet touches the drapes in <laughs> yeah. one in one long unbroken run yeah that would be a fun scene with the bully and barber doing like the doing the like uh the wax strips off the back if she starts doing his pubes i'm out of here so data and Jordy are working on a scheme to bump up how good the sensors on the ship are because they're charting some space and uh, i guess they they want to be efficient about it 
as they wrap up a little morning meeting about this, Data reminds Riker that he's got a poetry reading this afternoon. And the poetry reading winds up being the last three minutes of this five-minute cold open. And, uh, man, this is this is a scene, man. <laughs> this is one of the scenes that people bring up when TNG comes up, I feel like. It's hard on a, like, cringe-per-second basis <laughs> to think of any other scene that rates as high as this. Yeah, and it's, I mean, in... It's defense. It is a scene that is meant to induce cringe. You know, the idea is that it's so cringy. But I feel like you can do this scene without doing the scene. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. We show Riker's face. We cut cut to close-ups of a couple of the extras, you know, sticking their finger in their collar and going, And, uh, and I feel like we get the idea, like, we have the idea 30 seconds into this scene, and it drags on for three minutes. You know, what we're starting to get into more and more with these choices <laughs> is, like, this is making it fun, in quotes, where I think it could be more interesting if there are some stakes. You right. know, like, Riker being half asleep at the wheel could really have some consequences. Yeah, for a lot of people, and they don't go that route at all. It has more social consequences, at least initially. Uh, other thing worth pointing out in this scene is that uh, Troy has a new wig, and it's a bad one. <laughs> it looks like, uh, you know how, uh, how sailors are just really good at, at like, rope, like rope work? <laughs> like, uh, and I'm yeah. not talking about the kind that's being used, but like when you're you talking about up, You're talking about marlin spiking. I'm talking about, like, unused rope, like, coiled up nicely, yeah, like, hanging. That's what her hair looks like now. <laughs> Holy shit, is this Lieutenant J sitting next to Picard? It sure is, and I had a question about this. Like, they are sitting very close. Yeah, like, it kind of looks like, like they're touching on a date, close. right? Right. Uh, are they on a date? Can we be sure that they're not? Because they are the only people who are sitting so close as to be basically leaning on each other yeah what's I mean, that about Jordy and Worf are the next closest two people <laughs> if the captain's gonna be dating a crew person man like they say like you should never date someone from from the office but like mm-hmm. it doesn't get any closer in an office context than the driver of your ship <laughs> right like he couldn't find anyone who who worked with Keiko or anything right it's definitely, it's also a weird episode because Picard's like not in it much until like yeah. the midpoint. Like this is, I think this is only seen until like 20 minutes in. Yeah. So so you have to do a lot of headcanon to explain what the fuck is going on with this Lieutenant J appearance. I don't feel like it's something that in modern television you could get away with because people would see that right away and think that they were setting the table for something to come later yeah but it's on Chekhov's this show, gun like yeah. everything in modern television is Chekhov's gun and nothing in Star Trek The Next Generation is which is why <laughs> which is why as I saw it I was like well yeah like they're never gonna pay this off and, <laughs> and they don't yeah this scene ends and it throws to title sequence and it's off of a fade Yeah, it fades to title sequence. I nonetheless consider you a true and valued friend. It is the most cold of cold opens. Like, it is, it doesn't set any suspenseful action in motion. It doesn't challenge, you know, like pose some challenging idea. It doesn't, uh, there's no inciting incident of any kind. It's just five minutes of Riker being sleepy and Data being cringy. <laughs> if the design is a, of a cold open is meant to hook, there are no hooks here. It's a drinking straw. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, it is sort of the time's arrow of, of <laughs> cold opens, right? It's like, uh, might, might as well not bother coming back after the summer because uh, we don't have much. 
This is a season that is not gathering strength as it goes. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because like I, I think that there's a lot of really cool stuff in this episode, and it's it, it's so baffling that they let this be the way it opens. Right, especially because towards the climax, they're really cramming stuff in. Right, they're like, we don't have enough room. Yeah, there's so much runway before the theme. Like, use it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It seems like an acting difficulty akin to acting drunk to act tired, I think, and not be super ham and cheese about it. Yeah. I thought Frakes did a pretty good job throughout this episode of like being demonstrably tired, but not cartoonish about it. Yeah, that was... He really uh, looks like he's in pain, and I think that's part of it. Like, he does not play up the the yawning and the stretching as much as he's like frustrated and... And I think we've all been there when we've experienced insomnia. Like, it's yeah. it's so not fun or funny. It's just, like, painful in many ways. And that's the direction he goes with it, with the performance. Yeah, as some as someone who's been dealing with jet lag uh, quite a lot for the last yeah. several weeks, um, one thing that has been a struggle for me is, like, I feel like I need people to know how impaired I am, but I don't right. look that impaired. It's important to set people's expectations up front. Right. <laughs> uh, which is why this is going to be a terrible episode of The Greatest <laughs> Generation. So we come back, and I think he's, like, getting getting some six-bay action. Um, the doctor suggests that maybe he's not getting enough REM sleep, which is like, come on, doctor, that was a different episode. Ben, if you went to a 24th century six-bay and Dr. Crusher was there prescribing a cure for insomnia, and it was... A recipe for a warm milk toddy. How pissed would you be? <laughs> Probably about as pissed as Riker seems. A hot milk toddy? What the fuck, man? This is an incredibly <laughs> imperfect future if they haven't solved for this yet. Yeah. Doesn't Pulaski prescribe uh, uh, chicken soup to somebody at some point? Yeah. Seriously, <laughs> go to hell. <laughs> Why am I even in here? Yeah. I wonder how capable the replicator is for stuff like that. Like, can you order something from from the replicator, like, contextually? Like, hey, can you give me something for sleep? Or, um, my tum-tum's not feeling good. Uh, <laughs> give me a lunch that'll, uh, that'll go easy on it. And, like, it would provide something like that. Because it seems like you could get the doctor completely out of it if you could order something that way. Yeah, I mean, and if there isn't medicine, there is just... Uh you know, a dab of brandy and some warm milk. Yeah. Uh, like, why, yeah. yeah. What, like, kick Ogawa off the ship, kick kick Crusher off the ship, kick the other background doctors with the front sips off the ship. We don't need them. <laughs> yeah, just a <laughs> replicator with updated software, and we're good to go. So, uh, Data and Jordy and some other... Engineers are hanging out in Shimoda Corner. They get the, uh, they're, they're like patching the warp engines into the sensor array so that the uh, sensors can be super powerful. And uh, they get it going, they're really pleased. And then I'm reading a massive EPS explosion in one of the cargo bays. And the ship says that there's people working up in that cargo bay. So they're pretty, pretty concerned about it. And uh, they leave the jumper cables attached between the sensors and the warp engines though which i think is fucking great like a huge explosion has happened a moment after connecting the two and they're like well they can't be related like <laughs> let's go triage the explosion yeah let's go. <laughs> let's go check the uh, the the power line that just blew out in yeah <laughs> so they call for damage control and, and a medical emergency team to uh, go up to the cargo bay and damage control is wharf and a buddy <laughs> apparently uh they all get up to the door of the cargo bay and uh they've got readings from the other side of the door with a tricorder that makes it seem like it may be uh somewhat dangerous so uh no one thinks to put the back of their hand up to it though yeah well they say uh they say stand clear and everybody but data stands clear it's the <laughs> most suicidal moment. Suicidal thing he's done this season. Uh, 
prepare for shrapnel. I'll make sure I take it off for you. Yeah, yeah. He's like the goalie, shrapnel, <laughs> the, the shrapnel wall. And uh, the doors open, and uh, it's a great like shot, reverse shot of them walking in, and then like guys in Shimoda costumes. Like, is there something wrong, sir? <laughs> that warning's so great. They're like. Before we go in there, prepare yourselves. It's going to be like Omaha Beach, like just a fucking bloodbath. Like, like we we might want to just put a bunch of kitty litter outside the door for absorbency. Yeah, yeah. Because it's going to be gross. Yeah. It's like it's like three guys carrying a keg. Yeah. They like look like they're headed to a frat party, like a yeah. Shimoda themed frat party. That would be our theme for our frat party. I feel like uh, I feel like the only thing that I feel like I really am married to for Greatest Gen Con is a Shimoda themed party. The thing about the Shimoda themed party is that you're going to end up on the floor one way or the other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Stacking uh, your vomit. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> uh, but it's fun. It's like uh, it's it's a big like. Wah, 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 wah. Yeah, and, false um, alarm. Ben, I think they just got shushed. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna play the iced tea from Law and Order role in this episode. Uh-huh. Every every time there's a moment of shizum, I'm gonna call it like I see it. Oh, I appreciate that. I mean, uh, <laughs> it's a, it's appropriate because we know that uh, Ice loves cocoa, and Tracy Coco is. <laughs> prominently featured earlier in this episode so um you know i i see that as being as being a great choice on your part it's this new federation drug that combines warp core power and the sensor array <laughs> kids in the cargo bay college schisms <laughs> did i ever tell you about the time i saw iced tea on the street no but it it seems like if you're in new york it's gonna happen all the time right it's only happened once, but it was great. Uh, I was uh, I was looking in the window of a shop on Eighth Street, uh, kind of close to NYU, and uh, I saw him like reflected in the window, and so I turned I turned around, and it was definitely him, and so I was really excited. And I, I you know it was probably like the first like real exciting celebrity I ever <laughs> saw in New York because I was uh, I was fairly new to town. That and, qualifies. Uh, creepster that I am, I decided to like amble down the block about you know four car lengths behind him just to see where he went, <laughs> and where he went was the Dashing Diva nail salon, and I was like, "What? What is going on?" And then I looked in the window of the Dashing Diva nail salon, and there was Coco. Wow. Yeah. It was so great. you got two run-ins. Mm-hmm. I, I later got to meet him at Max Fun HQ because Jesse interviewed him for Bullseye. Whoa. Yeah. And did you bring up that, that moment? You know, I actually ran into you before. <laughs> I tailed you for about four blocks yeah. and followed you into a nail salon. I, I uh, used some, some uh, police tailing techniques that I learned from your popular television program. <laughs> yeah. You got to believe if Ice-T does not want to be tailed, he wouldn't be tailed. What a career that guy's had. Went from went from actual bank robber to famous musician with a s- notorious song called Cop Killer to most famous for playing a cop on TV. He's got some munch longevity, doesn't he? Yeah. Pretty good stuff. I wish uh I wish he would uh do do the munch thing and show up in other shows in his character. Yeah. That'd be great. That would be fun. Fuck the Munchiverse. I want the Tiaverse. Yeah. I mean, I love Munch. Is, is, Trek is in the Munchiverse, right? I think it is. Yeah. It is a guiding principle of a dark lady's face. Have you can't find it within yourself to stand up and tell the truth. You don't deserve to wear that uniform. After all the excitement with nothing happening in the cargo bay, Riker and Jordy are, uh, are like winding their day up and they're like heading home, walking through the hallways. Riker's like, hey, bud. I got a favor to ask. I've been having a, a devil of a time getting up in the morning. I'm just not getting good sleep. If you could come by at like 7 a.m., uh, wake me up. I would really appreciate it. And Jordy's like, hey, no problem. And um, 
Riker goes into into his quarters, makes himself a toddy, has a sip of it, uh, lays down on his bed, and uh, and the doorbell rings, and it's Jordy, and Jordy's like, "Good morning, time for work." Morning. I just went to bed. The read on Riker at this point is as much devastation as it is <laughs> fatigue. He's yeah. like, "Oh God, no, mm. no, not again." This was a real missed opportunity from a figuring out what's going on standpoint because they've got that hot toddy there. A hot milk toddy? And nobody ever checks it for what temperature it is. Yeah. You know, because like, like, this is a universe where a lot of things could potentially be happening. There could be a, like a stitch in time where he's jumping forward himself or the ship is jumping forward, but other objects aren't. Um you know, like, I feel like knowing whether the toddy had cooled off to room temp would have been a good data point for them to carry forward. When you go to sleep and you think you're getting eight hours, but then your buddy wakes you up for work just a moment later, Ben, <laughs> you just got shkushimed. <laughs> ben, it, it's, fun, uh, it's fun hearing you bend yourself into the ability to... <laughs> do a on-the-fly transition to Uxbridge. <laughs> What's going to be fun is to know if any of this stays <laughs> or if, it, if it's a bit that just dies in the edit. <laughs> At uh, this point, it's a total coin flip. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of dashing divas, uh, Orf is getting a haircut from the uh, Bullion Barber. Do they recast this barber or is it the same guy? I think it's the same guy. I have so many questions about uh, Klingon hair care, though. Persistent, itchy, flaky scalp. Like, on a Klingon ship, do you cut your own hair? You have to, right? Worf definitely rocks a different look from most Klingons. Like, it, it may be the same hair, but he's definitely using different products. Neutrogena T-Gel. It works. Because they're usually, like, pretty, pretty, like, wavy, and, you know, they're not... They're not necessarily dragging a comb through it all the time, and Worf yeah. has has such a such an anal retentive hair swagger. Yeah, it is really there. There are no flyaways or split ends for sure. No, no yeah, yeah. He's running a tight ship, and you um, never see him sleeping, do you? <laughs> uh, yeah, on, only cowards sleep at him. He sleeps standing up in his weird balls chair. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, Mott is going in for the, uh, like, uh, to give Worf some bangs, maybe, and uh, Worf grabs the, the wrist on the hand that's holding the scissors, and uh, and he really, like, has to freak out looking at these scissors, man. Real talk, Ben. Yeah, real talk? What do you think are the chances, three to four hundred years in the future, that there will be scissors? <laughs> like, period. I don't know, man. I mean, I guess it. Uh, your the premise of your question is basically: is there some sort of ray that can accurately cut hair better than scissors? I guess that. I mean, lasers can cut things, right? We've seen people use lasers and and light guns and stuff in this very barber shop. Yeah, didn't Jordy shave with a with a light based tool? He sometime? did. He did. So. So what is it about Klingon hair that requires scissors? Maybe it's it's Worf's preference it would have because been f- that's the most uh, the most rugged way to cut hair. It would have been fun to see Mister Mutt pour s- some poison over the blades of the scissors just to like up the <laughs> ante a little bit. <laughs> like if I if I nick you with these, you're dead. So <laughs> <laughs> I love like the stakes raising to every little every little bit of either self care or domesticity from Worf has got to be like extremely dangerous. Yeah, yeah, he. Uh, he pours a bunch of like hydrofluoric acid in the sink when he's going to do the dishes so that if any <laughs> anything splashes up over the top of his uh, dish doing gloves, the skin will melt off of his hands. His toilet brush is a blowfish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he has spikes on uh, either, either side of his bed. So if he rolls out of bed in the middle of the night, dead meat. Man. Worf 
the th- what's great about this sort of headcanon is like Worf makes regular life so difficult that his security job just doesn't hold his attention at all, <laughs> which it clearly doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> it actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, would you say that Worf got shizmed here, Adam? <laughs> yeah, I mean, when when Worf gets into the barber's chair and he's thinking it's going to be a, a relaxing hang with the talkative barber, and instead he sees pretty angsty PTSD-style scissor blades, you could say that Worf in this case has been shizmed. <laughs> You got schismed, Worf! And then, like, a bunch of people jump out from the side, like, Woo! <laughs> you should have seen the look on your face! <laughs> yeah, a punk-style, like, post-TGG uh, reality show. Schismed. And it's a schism apostrophe D, right? I'm a man of... Very special sense of humor. <laughs> Especially uh, hidden camera humor, <laughs> particularly. You thought you were being pulled over in a typical typical moving violation road step, but what's really happening is a stripper <laughs> is portraying the part of a cap. <laughs> and also I've exterminated your entire race. <laughs> you just got shizzled. <laughs> It turns out the Hoosnock genocide was just a part of his prank show pilot that never got picked up. <laughs> he didn't want to tell anyone about the pilot because it was too shameful. You said somebody in the restaurant next to you was saying outrageously racist things and <laughs> acting like you were their friend. <laughs> you just got cheesed. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so yeah, a bunch of a bunch of stuff happens where different different characters are having different unexplainable events, and it winds up uh, with Troy pulling together like a group therapy sesh. Issue one. You know, one flew over the cuckoo's nest style. They uh, they all sit in a circle and talk about their experience, and they're all kind of like converging on describing a vaguely remembered place and experience that they all have some kind of corroborative details of. And this leads them to a a scene in the holodeck where they're kind of standing around suggesting some, uh, some scenery to the computer and, you know, different, different things appear and they kind of, they kind of zero in on, on a, a scene that they've all, They've all been a part of. And this is like a just a great, great scene, in my opinion. This was so effective. It felt like it came from a completely different episode. Yeah, it's it is riveting. I mean, it it like it starts with them just saying like, OK, like put a table in the middle of the room and you get like the uh, the like most platonic ideal wood dinner table. And then they. They lower it and then they like lift up one end and it they, it gets to like nightmare dentist chair eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but it's 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 so cool to see them kind of like puzzle through like oh no it like had a there was like an instrument panel on this part no the, oh yeah my feet were restrained. They do that thing where they raise tension through the like. Everyone in the room offers another bit to the puzzle, and then they add those bits at an increasing frequency and rate Yeah. until, in totality, they build the thing that they've all experienced in both, you know, a visual fashion and, a, and a, like, a sensory fashion. Like, they're even messing with light sources and sounds in the room and stuff. Yeah. I like that, I like that when Tr- Troy said, uh, were there any smells? Yeah. Everybody's like, no, not really. <laughs> Yeah, and by the end, they give you, like, the wide shot of this this giant dark room with the small table in the middle and them surrounding it. It's, it is the spiritual opposite of the scene before the theme Yeah, in this episode. It's great. It's great. It, uh, 
it, it's shot from a really fun angle, like the the like over the top uh, holodeck shot. I don't. I think that a lot of the time the holodeck is is just like a comp, you know, or you know they just yeah kind of toss some some yellow and black into the background, but um, the, or you know like they they bring in a couple of flats and just let you kind of fill in that it's an entire room. I don't think that we get to see like the whole damn room that much, and it's cool. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's such a simple set. It like it's probably like the cheapest set that they ever have to put up. But uh and and like they definitely went with a way more complicated look for holodecks in like the movies and subsequent television shows. I think this is so great. It's all it needs to be. In some ways they're just they're turning the holodeck into a CSI lab, which mm-hmm. is sort of its perfect use. Yeah. That they use it for so rarely in a professional context. Totally. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I mean, it, they, like, there's a couple of comparable things. Like, I think when when Lal picks what she's gonna look like in the mm-hmm. Data has a baby episode, it's kind mm-hmm. of a similar a similar idea. But um, yeah, like this is this definitely makes me want more of this. Like, I wish more often they were. And I mean, like the scene the scene in the Jordy turns into a invisible alien episode where he's kind of doing. He's doing forensics with the holodeck is also super cool. Yeah. Like, why do we yeah. why do we get Lawaxana all the time and we get this like three times in the entire series? Uh because Loxana is cheaper than doing <laughs> a bunch of digital comps, that's why. <laughs> My love is a so this combined with the like there's like a some kind of subspace rift forming in the cargo bay where they had the had the fake explosion um, leads them to start to piece together that they've been getting like uh, abducted like the way greys abduct you know rural farmers <laughs> in our time um, and uh, and and so like when Riker feels like he hasn't slept it's because he's been in this alternate dimension getting anal probed and uh and they discovered that like his arm got chopped off and then reattached at some point like it's it's freaky stuff yeah it's not enough that they've been leaving the ship but some of the details of what's been happening to them while they've been gone are really terrifying yeah especially the arm thing like uh imagine the places that arm has been (laughs) Yeah. All the way up to the forearm too. Yeah. Yeah, they're like when when we form the fingers into a fist, this can be inserted into almost any body cavity. We've swabbed the forearm and there are 3700 different kinds of DNA on it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's up to the elbow. Yeah. So yeah, they come up with a plan where Riker's going to have some he's going to get a like a stimulant injected into him and uh he's gonna go through the space-time butthole into the into the alternate dimension and maintain his consciousness so if they like they they tuck him into bed with like a tricorder and a and a sensor pack and a and a dust buster and he flies through and he is in this like freaky ass alien laboratory and uh, and the chair the the table he's on is like not precisely what is what's what's been worked out in the holodeck, but like you you see you see why the the thing from the holodeck is what they they settled on. Yeah, pretty close. And he sees the helmsman on the other table. Yeah. yeah and she's, she's got like some some tubes hanging out of her arm. They yeah, seem to be really interested in the arms. <laughs> yeah, she's got like Borg tubes, huh? Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought they looked like too. These aliens are, uh, are freaky. Yeah, they're they're a little fishy looking, and they're clicking around with uh, sort of like lobster claw hands. They have the lobsteriest claws we've seen yet. They don't look very dexterous to be performing any sort of uh, surgery, you know. Yeah, yeah, they must uh, they must rely on the instruments for that. Yeah, um, but yeah, and they uh, they all have hoods like a. Uh, 
this is better alien design than we get a lot of the time. I don't know if I agree with you there because you made you mentioned something a few episodes back about uh, about writing without conviction and that being a a real downfall to a lot of these episodes. Like I feel like in alien design, especially uh, strong conviction can mean some really interesting results. Mm-hmm. And I think when you shroud the alien in a dark hood and and make them barely recognizable i think that that might lack the sort of conviction that i would want from some alien design so i was a little bit i was a little bit uninterested in what they did with these people i see your point like the, I mean, the place I, is more interesting to me than than the aliens themselves there was something that i kept thinking about when i was watching this scene which was that i feel like it was a lot darker when i mm. first saw it like i don't yeah. I don't feel like you saw as much of them and I feel like that was the maybe maybe somebody can do some research on this and tell us but um you know I feel like part of what was so scary about it is that you couldn't really see beyond the edge of the table and in this it's like kind of like that got a lot of detail out of the darks and yeah. uh, in in transferring this to HD and I wonder if that was kind of a kind of a aesthetic mistake that that they shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, the scene is, is freaky. You know, Riker has to like pretend to be asleep while they're looking him over. And then he, uh, he sort of surreptitiously sneaks out of, out of bed and grabs the, uh, grabs the helmsman, licks a shot at one of the, uh, at one of the aliens with his dustbuster and manages to jump through the space butthole like just in the nick of time, because to raise the stakes, they've uh, decided that uh, they need to close that that hole up. He really gets a good action scene set piece moment here. Like yeah. Riker grabs the grabs the crewman. Like Hero carries her to the door. Like yeah. shoots some people with a phaser. He's flying like flying leap through the hole. <laughs> Y'all just got schismed. <laughs> and then he's through the hole. Schism this! <laughs> yeah. The ensign does a, a fun little hand move with her with her tubed up arm. Yeah. And uh, and then kind of a fucked out idea now, which is ball of light that was the alien invading their ship f- swirls around the room and then like flies through a bulkhead and and out into space. Yeah, and like the whole deal with them is that they are from a different universe. Like that's a, that runs on a totally different frequency from this universe. Right. They and, were like And so what these other scientists were trying to do was like, well, we can't study you by going to your universe. So we're going to grab a couple of you guys, set you up in a fish tank over here. And then do our our weird science on you that way, but it appeared as though the thing, like the weird staticky thing on the panel inside the the cargo bay, was their attempt to create a portal into their world that they could use as a as a place to exist. Mm-hmm. It was, but their there's attempt. a much darker like line to the whole thing too, because as they're post gaming the mission, they're like, you know, we can't we can't be sure that these people aren't malevolent about this either whoever it was sent that thing was more than simply curious this scene ends with the same kind of tone as like a terrible movie that the studio obviously thought was going to have a sequel before they released it you know it ends the way conspiracy did which is like oh we don't know where they are they're probably going to return and then what's going to happen i don't know but you already tried that with conspiracy (laughs) and you didn't pay it off at all Weren't people saying that the that the uh, the nubbins and conspiracy just didn't didn't work out? So they uh, they they knew that they were going to have some evil existential threat, and they decided to make it the Borgs instead. How could the nubbins not work? The nubbins worked great. <laughs> I agree. I'm just <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm pro nubbin. I'm just saying, like that's what the uh, that's what the showrunner uh, class thought at the time. I will I will vote Nobin all the way down. <laughs> in in the Borgs versus Nubbin uh political contest, you vote Nubbin? Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to see that bumper sticker. Got the bumper sticker and everything. Is it, is it Nubbin Remick 1988? <laughs>
well, you got one of those names, right? It's it's Quinn Remick is what it is. <laughs> when you want your politics delivered to your face, roundhouse style. <laughs> I'm going to gut these regressive taxes, roundhouse style. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to combat homelessness by throwing it through a glass table. <laughs> I'm going to feed the poor with a healthy bowl of mealworms. <laughs> um, I'm going to improve education by giving a trapper keeper to all children. <laughs> that's great. That's, that's, uh, that's pretty much the policy yeah. for the, the Nubbin campaign. <laughs> Friends don't let friends vote nubbin at him. I am the cutest of all. There are four lights. Uh, did you like this one? I, I mean, I liked the one scene. The one scene is the only reason to watch this episode. I mean, unless you like... I think that the unless action Unless you like scene at increasingly the end is, unhinged is... Riker, which is a version of him that I really like a lot. Yeah. They sort of fuck with Riker, don't they? They give Troy the love stories, and they give Riker the stories where he has to question his sanity. I said, shut up. And they give Worf the stories about learning how to be a better father. It would be strange and fun to see them sort of uh, turn that character wheel one click to the right and then realign all those things to different characters. I agree. Um, Yeah, I mean, like, I think that what this episode gets right is the holodeck scene and the scene where, where Riker wakes up in the lab at the end. I think what it gets wrong is the entire first 20 minutes and <laughs> several scenes after the holodeck scene also. Yeah, it's it's like a story economy and how it's and how it's laid out. Yeah, what if there was more that had to be done in the other universe? Like what if they had to like shut down the way they were accessing our universe to make sure that they never could or something like that? Yeah, it's the whole uh it's the whole drop the bomb down the well solution, you know, like do they instead of sending Riker back with a phaser, do they send him back with with something more rugged? <laughs> yeah. Like a like he sleeps in a torpedo. <laughs> Very vampiric yeah. by Riker. Mhm. Picard has a moment toward the end where he gets to sort of uh give Riker some of his own medicine because he has the choice here there's sort of a countdown at the end of they can shut down the portal from their end thus mm-hmm. leaving Riker trapped on the other side and it really comes down to it whether or not Picard's going to do this he yeah. can finally get rid of his his Riker problem <laughs> once and for all yeah Nid's been nipping at his heels for far too long throw away all that HR paperwork finally <laughs> blow it out the door blow it up did you like this episode? It's fun enough toward the end that it kind of redeemed itself, but yeah, it was definitely a slog at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, from this dimension or any other, Ben, do we have any Priority One messages? I believe we do, Adam. Want to check those out? Yeah. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Ben, our first priority one message is a of a personal nature. It is for Pam Alexander Pamilton of the clan Pam. <laughs> oh, oh me- is it, Adam? <laughs> and the message is from the walrus that barks at midnight. Message goes like this, dearest Pam. Pam should always be read as a shout. Okay, I need. I guess I need to start all over. Dearest Pam, it is your birthday, and I thought, what more would Pam fucking want than a goddamn <laughs> message on this fucking stupid podcast? I now love thanks to Pam. Pam it, Pam. I'm so far behind, I won't even fucking hear this message for months. Pam. <laughs> you are the drunk Shimoda of my existential crisis. <laughs> wow. That would uh, really ask me to to be very specific with my line reading. Yeah, your performance, uh, you know, it's like a it's like a Riley in a in a script 
where yeah. the, the writer is trying to direct you from behind the, the typewriter. Yeah. Not typically uh, the right way to do things, but I feel like it kind of worked in this in this context. I don't know, uh, Walrus Barks at Midnight. Uh, I'd really like another shot at that. I mean, maybe uh, maybe we can do one for me. Put your no? put your own stank on it. No, uh, I guess not. Yeah. Yeah, we, we uh, don't have we don't have. I time only get one go. Yeah. Yeah. The 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 folks at MaxFun.org will uh, will be very cross with us if we read somebody's priority one more than the contractually obligated one time mm. on the show. Um. We do have another P1 here, Adam. It's from Plevim, and it's to Raz. <laughs> Plevim and, oh, good. Plevim and Raz have got to be stopped. <laughs> I really, like, what we don't get to see, like, just a, just a glimpse behind the pot a little bit. What we don't get is the actual time in which these messages are sent. Like, they come in in sort of like an automated style from the network but i want to know is like the if these raz and plumbing messages are coming in at like 248 in the morning (laughs) 352 a.m yeah they're sitting next to each other at at the bar yeah (laughs) firing hundred dollar messages back and forth at each other (laughs) (laughs) yeah using their poker winnings on p1s Uh, some casinos will let you have a free P1 if you uh, if you play at the uh, at the higher stakes tables. That's true. Yeah, a, a free buffet ticket and a P1. <laughs> um, so the message from Plavim to Raz goes like this: Tell Raz that he can go fuck himself. <laughs> you know what's great about this mess? Well, a lot of things are great about this message, Ben. But one yeah. of them is that uh, <laughs> Plavim. Does not capitalize Raz and does not end the sentence with punctuation. <laughs> it, it feels like it was yeah. very urgently sent. Yeah. The other the other great thing is that he spent twelve dollars and fifty cents per word. <laughs> <laughs> That's value. <laughs> That's the greatest gen value. <laughs> wow. Sort of uh, a couple of messages there that couldn't be more different. Yeah. Well, uh, if you have a message that is like either one of those or completely different, <laughs> you can go to maximumfun.org slash jumbotron where you can craft something custom made, tailor suited to your messaging needs, and we'll read it on the air. Personal messages are $100, commercial messages are for $200, and they help the ongoing production of this fine podcast program. Thanks, guys. Hey, Ben. Uh, what's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! I did. I mean, it was kind of a hard episode for me to find a Shimoda in, but uh, I I did uh, get a nice laugh out of a lady that is at Data's poetry reading, hmm? and the camera lingers on this lady for kind of a long time in a way that made me think she was going to have a part. <laughs> And I, I think part of the reason that she's getting the Shimoda is that uh, she does not have a part. <laughs> they just needed more people to look awkward and weird while Data was doing his his poem. <laughs> um, but she just looks like uh, the kind of 90s mom who, who you'd go over to your friend's house and you'd say, like, damn, and you'd get in, like, a hot mess of trouble because <laughs> they, don't, they don't allow swearing in their house. Yeah. Uh, so so uh, she gets my Shimoda for uh, that thing I am projecting onto her and also <laughs> the fact that she got a ton of screen time for a character that has no lines. I feel like most of the time the Shimoda is a projection of, <laughs> of what we're feeling or what we've gone through at some point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how about yourself? Did you have a Shimoda? From the same scene, uh, the poetry reading, uh, Khaki Pants Guy is in the background. Oh, he's, fuck, uh, he totally is. He's over Data's shoulder, and what he's doing is, like, making the faces <laughs> that the viewer is making while listening to to the poetry. He's sort of the viewer proxy. Yeah. He's back there in soft focus, kind of like... He looks like he's by himself, so I can imagine him, like, no one can stand being around him. He's like, 
he's like smirking and and shaking his head like what the fuck is this huh (laughs) trying to make eye contact with people around the room and no one wants to look at him khaki pants guy is accustomed to the poetry reading room being you know unused most of the time so he was coming by coming by to have a a nice little uh solo sesh the the door opens and he doesn't want to back out immediately so he uh he tries to play it off and cannot keep a poker face while this poem is going down he uh he's like the open mic host (laughs) that has that that has to be high energy you know (laughs) like everybody give it up for data all right cats yeah you know i used to have a cat and then he does little like chambered bit that he came up with in the five minutes before he had to run back on keep the applause going for jay (laughs) coming up next uh very funny very funny android has had appearances (laughs) on leno letterman and uh and fallon (laughs) and uh I recently started going to open mics again, Ben, and the the closest open mic to my house, they're they're doing two minute sets. Whoa! Which is something that I have not seen too much of, and the open mic uh, MC is just like cannot sit down. Like as soon as her ass hits the seat, it's back <laughs> up again. The set's over. Like it's totally frenetic and crazy. Is this all comedy, or is it like a you know? bring your acoustic guitar up or no, bring this a poem. Is a, this is comedy at a club. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've been to very few of those, but uh, I typically hate them because so many people that don't have any business doing comedy are up there doing horrible humor. Doing, doing their approximation of what comedy is. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty breathtaking. Yeah. That part hasn't changed, Ben, I can assure you. <laughs> They just got schismed. <laughs> One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time and... They send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful. No matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code scarves to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about Microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. 
We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on. Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. What do we have coming up on the next episode, Ben? The next episode is season six, episode six, True Q. When an honor student in the medical field is assigned to the entrepreneur in an internship manner, (laughs) she begins to demonstrate powers of the Q, prompting you-know-who to show up. I promise you that that is something I pulled off of a real website and not a (laughs) joke description. (laughs) I remember this as being one of the good Q episodes, Ben. I feel like this capsule is maybe written by somebody who's at Amazon Instant in an internship manner. <laughs> yeah, no one's going to proofread these. You're, you're, uh, you're rated on quantity, yeah. for sure. Yeah. If only they had bylines so we could make them famous here on The Greatest Gen. Well, uh, we have vetoes, Ben. You don't like Q. Are you, are you thinking about it? I don't like Q. Um... I feel like I might give this one a veto reprieve because I remember uh really being sweet on the uh on the internship manor medical student oh, when yeah. I was when I was a, a young lad. Yeah. I remember, I remember finding her quite fetching. Mm. And uh I would I would hate to pass up an opportunity to to look at an attractive lady. <laughs> I I will certainly not veto this episode, Ben. Uh, okay, I'm I'm ready and willing to watch it, especially now that you've sold me on the potential for <laughs> uh, for some nice eye candy. Yeah, so uh, episode safe, and um, we'll see uh, we'll see if my if my memory serves or is has done us a, a great disservice. There's always a potential with a Q episode. Well, one thing that uh, that has always served us well from the start, Ben, has never done us a disservice, has been our growing legion of viewers. Yeah. They'll, uh, they found us, Ben. They <laughs> found us on Twitter using the hashtag GreatestGen. I'm on there as at Cup for Time. You, of course, are there as at Benjamin R. A-H-R. Uh, yeah, as, while we're talking about uh, viewers, um, I wanted to... Uh, just uh, give a shout to Mike and uh, Aaron, Mike of Reddit and Aaron of the Facebook group, who built, built those groups with their bare hands, basically. Uh, they they uh, were fans of the podcast and uh, decided to like make uh, social spaces for people to talk about the podcast on Reddit and Facebook and... Um, I just, uh, I really appreciate the fact that they did that and continue to shepherd those communities, like, actively. You know, they're making sure that uh, it's it's a, a nice, welcoming place for everybody to be, and uh, and uh, I'm, that's a lot of hard work, and I feel like we don't acknowledge it often enough. That is a great point, and I completely agree. Um, for a variety of reasons, you and I cannot be on those pages as often as maybe we'd like to be even and where there have been instances of of drama or conflict mike and aaron have been like totally on the spot making sure that they're they that they continue to be nice places to talk and gab so yeah and not turn into the like toilets that so many internet communities turn into (laughs) right exactly they're not not the receptacles for our our viewers uh, darkest impulses Every time someone says something to me about, like, wow, that's so awesome that there's, like, online communities based on the show you do, I'm like, yeah, uh, it wasn't us. 
like <laughs> like we've got some really great viewers out there uh, who have put these things together so thank you thanks guys uh so those are uh those are the reddit and the facebook we should thank dark materia for our theme music and uh we should thank adam ragusia for our other theme music that uh are the themes of sub segments within the show um and uh thanks to all of you guys and uh you know raz and plavim we probably <laughs> thank for- <laughs> probably want to start putting them at the end of the show too <laughs> Uh, with that, uh, we will be back at you next time with uh, another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and an episode of The Greatest Generation that we will record in a semi-professional manner. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.